0: Welcome back everyone to the mid-south television review show my name is mike mills i'm one of your hosts and i'm joined each and every week as always by the great brian lass of the
1: 605 super podcast brian what's going on man aloha mike what a quick pass off of the baton that was it was just hi i'm mike mills and here you go that was a boy pierce if there ever was one here on the mid-south wrestling television review mike i am good how are you this week
0: I'm good. Yeah, I just did the Boyd to pass to <laughs> Cowboy Bill Watts. We're back with our guest announcer, Cowboy Bill Watts, who all the crowd out there, everybody sending in letters and cards to the stations and telling them to, to uh, we want to hear from the Cowboy Bill Watts, who's uh who's one of our most popular, popular, of most popular, as they say, commentators. So, uh, Cowboy, it's all on you. And then I'll just shut up for the rest of the show. How's that sound?
1: I'll, let me tell you something. Boyd has a very calming suit this week. A very calming blue and off blue, and oh. maybe there's a yellow that you can't actually tell is a yellow, but everything looks blue. He very much has a
0: very, very calming blue on, Brian. It's, it's rather remarkable that he's so toned down this week. It's a nice little powder baby blue. Looks like it might have some stripes in it. Uh, hard to tell with the resolution, but he's definitely calm compared to what we've seen and what we're going to see.
1: Well, this is, I don't know. This is kind of a relatively calm episode. This is the calm before the storm in a lot of ways. We've been teasing it for a while that things are really going to start picking up. And I can actually say starting next week, things really start picking up. This is the calm before the storm, though. You think that's appropriate? You think that's a fair thing to say about this episode? Yeah, if you remember
0: when we started and we went and looked at late 81, I said, you know, you got to stick with it for a while through late 81, early 82, because you kind of get the feeling like, they're successful and they're doing good business, but they're also kind of getting their feet under them in, in many ways. Not, not that they needed to get their feet under them because they had plenty of success before that, but there's just some things that are going to be set in motion over the next months now that go down that are, are, are big-time days in mid-south sports.
1: The show opens, Boyd Pierce, no Bill Watts. That's one of the reasons why this show drags a little bit, no Bill Watts. Instead, Ted DiBiase on the microphone, Ted's back in his leather jacket, Except he's wearing a white v-neck shirt, so he looks a little more like a vagrant than he did last time. But then you realize it's a Lacoste shirt, so hey, he's got a few bucks. So there's Boyd and Ted opening the show, and let's listen to that open right now.
2: Hello everybody, and welcome to this next edition of Mid-South Wrestling Television Network. I'm your host, Boyd Pierce, and we have lots of exciting action. You're going to see a match, Dusty Rhodes, as he takes on the Polish Prince, Ed Ruskowski. The Masked Grappler, former North American heavyweight title holder, will be on the card. And the brain-busting ex-Marine with the unorthodox style killer Carl Cox is here, and he's just itching for action. Iron Mike Sharp, the muscular star, takes on Big Bob Orton Jr. And talk about titles, listen, the Mississippi heavyweight title holder, Mr. Olympia, takes on the former Louisiana heavyweight champion, Bob Roop. It all adds up to great action, and talked about great action. One of the best in the ring, you're going to find out he's one of the best out of the ring. The North American heavyweight title holder, Ted DiBiase, will be my guest commentator. Ted, I know you'll give us the expert knowledge that you possess.
3: Boy, thank you very much, and as always, it's a pleasure to be here with you on Mid-South Wrestling. You know, there's a lot going on in the Mid-South. There's been a lot of people uh, injured recently at the hands of Skandar Akbar and his one-man wrecking crew, as he calls him. And just a little bit of a progress report on those men. My good friend Dick Murdoch, whose uh, ribs were seriously injured, is still injured but recovering. Mike George, who hurt his lower back uh, very severely, is, from what I understand, uh, recovering and under his own home personal physician's care. And then last week, everybody got a chance to to hear what Ernie Ladd had to say about his uh, injury and that he's he's coming back, and that remains to be seen. As myself personally, I have a North American title defense coming up next week. As of yet, my opponent hasn't been picked, but I know that it'll be Paul Orndorff or Bob Roop, and I'm looking forward to either one
1: of those.
2: And we're looking forward to your expertise here as we go into the opening event. Here's the introduction.
1: The introduction would have been there, but instead we're coming back to us and... Ted DiBiase on commentary I must admit Mike great wrestler great promo a little bit later in his career but I've never been a fan of him on commentary whether it's here whether it's in the WWF in I think 94 95 never been a big fan of him as a commentator
0: I mean he's a baby face and he kind of just keeps it straight and he's real monotone on commentary he's there's like no inflection, no excitement. I mean, a little bit, but not much. As you'll hear in this episode, he's just not. I mean, it wasn't his strength. I don't think he's horrible, but I'm kind of like you. I wasn't a big fan of him on commentary. He he was he's better as a heel on commentary because he could just kind of like you know just go do what go do and say what he wants because he's not trying to keep the people keep the people from enjoying what he's saying. But um, he's all right. Nothing spectacular.
1: You see Ted DiBiase here, and you realize that facial hair and bleach were the best things that ever happened to his career.
0: Yeah, that changed it. Changed his whole look.
1: Changed everything. He just looks blank. He looks like a teacher <laughs> in a leather jacket <laughs> here to open yeah. the show. Um, yeah. <laughs> one thing I just want to point out because I find it funny: Boyd Pierce several times throughout the show points out that Mike Sharp is muscular. The muscular Mike Sharp. Yeah, maybe he's
0: tall but he's definitely not muscular I mean he's a solidly built man, but they call him Olympia mus-
1: you got j y d you got Orndorf
0: yeah, he's not muscular by definition of muscular back then. I mean, you know, nobody looked like a Greek god back then for the most part, well, I don't say nobody, but you know what I mean he didn't have the the whole body thing hadn't taken over at this point, but I wouldn't call him a muscular man he's a big man he's not muscular though
1: I'll tell you even Orndorf you see Orndorf here and he's He's cut. He's like in great shape, but he's nowhere near as big and jacked as he was just a couple of years later in the WWF.
0: Yeah, he, he's he's a lot. Um, I don't know if the term is flatter at this point, when meaning that he's not as yeah. He's smoother, I guess, too at this point because he's um he's not as he's not as chiseled. He's not as cut as he will be in a few years.
1: Well, let's go down to the opening match here, Mike. Bill Ash and Jesse Tanner versus Jesse Barr and Buddy Landell, <laughs> with Jack Howe as the referee. Like I guess um, the calm before the storm, this match, this, for lack of a better term, preliminary tag team match opens the show. Rest in peace, Buddy Landell.
0: But I do want to make a slight joke right here. <laughs> when you saw this opening match, did
1: you think to yourself, Brian, you got any pills? That was one of my favorite lines that he had was, it was at the Dennis Carluzzo event and he saw him right. and he said, hey, Brian, you got any pain pills? And it was like, oh, well, you know. <laughs> buddy i'm 15 or whatever now i was a little older than that but you get the point but i will say this buddy in 84 he was really really good in 83 in memphis he had gotten really good he's still really green here like a lot of the little things you see like the footwork and the punches he seems really really green still he's he's he's
0: he is he doesn't look bad he's just you know He's in there with Billy Ash and Jesse Tanner and Jesse Barr. And it's Mid-South. And, you know, when you think Mid-South back in his era, you're not thinking of that. Um, Buddy, the thing is, later on, 85 Mid-South, you know, a key person. You know, he's not the JYD or anything, but key person. You know, he's involved in some really good stuff. So uh, he grows definitely from this time till then. But uh, I, I have a love for Buddy Landell. I just appreciate him. It's a shame he left us so early, but, uh, you know, Buddy was good. I don't have much from this match, not much here. Just Buddy, Dan- Buddy Landell does a bit of a belly-to-belly to get the win, and that's pretty much it. I don't know. What did you have?
1: That's really it. Buddy uh, does a bear hug into a belly-to-belly for the right. win. Bill Ash, you know, um, I just had Jeff Steele on the Super Podcast. Jeff was, amongst many other things, the ring announcer in Jackson, Mississippi, for a while, and he talked about when the Culkins broke off from Leroy McGurk and Tri-State Wrestling and ran independently in jackson they had their own promotion icw and he said one of the problems was they pretended like everyone was a main eventer and he said he goes they would bring in like bill Ash, like no disrespect but bill Ash wasn't a main eventer and i laughed because i'm thinking well we have been watching bill Ash for several weeks but at least he's not brian blair that's what i said <laughs> brian blair's gone by the way i don't think we see him again in mid-south i mean i know we've been talking about him for uh several weeks he was here undercard babyface good wrestler but somewhat bland there's not a lot going on with him uh of course we didn't see any local promos he did but i'm sure they didn't light anything up at that time but he's gone i don't think he returns uh from this point forward
0: yeah i think you're right i think his uh time in mid-south is over from what i recall
1: well, Spot on. moving on from this match we get a recap of dusty road not even a recap they play the entire match yeah dusty Rhodes versus ed wiskowski from what three weeks ago it was from february 20th yeah yeah yeah, they.
0: Um, according to my research, it was it was actually taped, I guess, recorded on February seventeenth. If I am wrong, and it aired, like you said, on February twentieth. But we didn't just get a clip of it; we got the entire match of Dusty and Ed Wiskowski, Brian's favorite wrestler in Mid South. Ed Wiskowski, that is. And I mean, since we covered this, I didn't really have anything other than Dusty Rhodes gets the win, and Brian's favorite wrestler, like I said, Ed, over Ed Wiskowski.
1: Yeah. And there is another good example of the turnover. Ed Wiskowski, I don't think we see again either. So yeah, a lot he's, of these guys, this crew from late 81, early 82, there's a booking change. Something's happening because all of a sudden guys are switching out.
0: Most definitely. And guys are coming in as we we've seen, uh, or, you know, I think we, I think we did an episode with the grappler. Like he, he came in. So yeah, definitely. We've got a, uh,
1: we've got some change. And like you said, guys would continue to come in the next match. We have the grappler versus Frank Monty. Who's not in Brown. He's got some nice red trunks on man. With a white jacket. hey let me tell you something i gotta tell you something i got so excited i almost sent you a picture but i said let me talk to him about it on the air first i got a couple old programs recently something from new york something from la and frank monty's in them have you ever seen frank monty when he had the bleach blonde hair no (laughs) No. (laughs) i will send you a picture we will post it so uh the listeners can hear it too but you have to see fabulous frank monty and then you're gonna be like how did he end (laughs) up This little brown wrestler. And he's not black. If anyone thinks I'm being racist, he just has brown hair and a brown mustache. And he used to wear brown trunks. Now he's in red. But he was bleach blonde and he's fabulous Frank. (laughs) <laughs> he's
0: got – Well, Brian, let me, let, me, let me say something else. When you say he brown, we've talked about this on a previous episode. What it is is he's got the brown trunks. Everything's brown on him. He's got a really, really – I guess you'd call it a nice tan, and then he's got this dark, dark, dark hair that's firmed <laughs> out with the mustache, the dark – I mean he just it, – it, like when Brian says he's brown, that's what he means. He's, he's just yes! – de- all brown it
1: may not have been the best way to put it and he had a black uh, and he had a brown uh ring jacket that was very very brown and maybe even somewhat hairy I'm not exactly right. sure but right i saw that picture of him yes. as fabulous frank i'm thinking they should have brought precious paul back and had him turn frank monty into fabulous frank all of a sudden but he comes back out his hair is bleached and he has personality
0: and the thing is like to see that i, I can't wait to see that because seeing a picture of him would beach you said beach blonde hair oh my god that's just a complete yeah that's that's a complete change i it's i I probably wouldn't even realize it's frank monty
1: well mike let's talk about the actual match we get the grappler versus frank monty uh dibiase on commentary and we have a few notes about what dibiase has to say here
0: yeah dibiase i mean he's on commentary He, he tells us it's it's hard for him not to be biased against the grappler and I can I can understand what he's saying about that because you know it, he's basically uh, a competitor of his, so it's hard for him to really say nice things about him. But you know, at the same time, he he does have to give him credit for being a good grappler, I guess so to speak. Uh, boy does explain why the lift in grapplers' boots is is legal, which I thought was really really good for them to for
1: them to explain that. Let's listen to that right now. Well, boy, sitting here at the commentary
3: table, I'm supposed to be an unbiased spectator and give my commentary unbiased about what takes place in the ring. But when I talk about the mass grappler, it's very hard to me, for me, as what's taking place between this man and myself to be anything but biased. Uh, the man walks to the ring carrying a cane. He wrestles with a, a built-up boot due to an injury received at my hands when I applied the figure-four leg lock to him. Uh, it's my opinion that the boot that he wears is a loaded boot, I know, from, the, from being kicked with it a number of times. But, all in all, you can't discredit the man completely. You have to give credit where credit is due. He's a top-flight competitor. Uh, he would have never gained the North American title if he won up.
2: And a lot of wrestlers and fans alike share your views that maybe nothing's wrong with that shoe and foot out of the mask raptor, but he does have a, a certificate from a Lasting doctor, and that gives him the authenticity to wrestle with the boot on in the ring. So we can't dispute that. Some doctor somewhere has declared that he needs it, so that's the way it is.
1: So that's the way it is. I love Boyd's
0: explanation. He's got a wrestling certificate from a from a wrestling doctor,
1: and he can wear that boot. Okay. Um sure enough, that works for me then, pal. Boyd does more to justify heel activity, if you really think about it on commentary than anyone else. Because he always does the devil's advocate thing. Well, here's why he's doing it. Yeah. It, but doesn't didn't Watts kinda doesn't Watts kind of do the same thing? Kind of He does make- too, but then he points out the economic flaws in the uh in the strategy of the uh group behind the person or whatever it is that he does. on commentary. Fair enterprise. This is fair enterprise here. I, I have to tell you, I did not like this match. I don't know what it was. It was I don't even know if slow is the right word, but there was something awkward about the match. They weren't working great together. It just seemed like, it almost seemed like they were not ready. I don't know. I can't even describe what I'm thinking, but it just, it seemed very slow. Nothing really happening. The fans weren't really that into it. What do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, it's nothing against Frank Monty here, but I mean, we've seen the grappler in in previous episodes and, you know, how excited we were to see him. And um, again, Frank Monty, I'm sure, great talent, good talent here, but there's really nothing to. The problem is when you don't, when you have a match where there's really no emotional investment in it, it's like a lot of the stuff we see these days where we just can't grasp anything. So we kind of just. Watch it like almost in a zombie phase where it's just like we're looking at the TV and going, okay, I'm just waiting for something exciting to happen. And it's kind of what happened here. It's just, you know, a match for TV. I I really get the feeling like for this episode, they watch was really just trying to fill up some time with some things just to get to the end of it. Because, I mean, so far we've had the grappler versus Frank Monty, nothing really much there. We opened with Billy Ash, Jesse Tanner. For for God's sake, they showed an entire replay of a match from a month ago. So. Yeah, there's really, you know, not much here, you know. And then Frank Monty does put up a little bit of resistance, but the grappler wins with like an extended armbar type shoulder breaker, I guess is what I'd call it. And and that was that. But nothing, nothing really much here other than that.
1: Yeah, this is, I believe, the last hour of the television taping, and all the usuals are still there at ringside. So it's not like it's emptied out. But you'll see next week's show is a whole new Mid South in a lot of ways. But this is kind of clearing the deck until we get there. So once again, the grappler defeats Frank Monty. That's really all there is to say about that. But next we have killer Carl Cox returning against Don Serrano. And this is great. Carl Cox comes out. We'll, we'll play this in a second, but the fans are so into him. The girls, the old people, the old people seem to know him or he knows yeah. them. You know, they, he goes over to me and whispers something to all of them, but right. everyone loves Carl Cox. But let's, uh, it's a very interesting way he comes out. There's only one guy. In all the weeks we've been doing this, Mike, who has had theme music, and that's the Junkyard Dog. That's mm-hmm. going to change, because killer Carl Cox is back in
4: town. Let's play this right now. In the red corner, at 226 pounds, Don Serrano. Hear ye. Hear ye. The Colts in session. The Colts in session. Now, here come the judge. Here come the judge. Here come the judge. let uh-huh.
3: Don Serrano, man, definitely needs no introduction. It's uh, very obvious to to everybody and to myself from past experience that uh, Carl Cox, you might say, is not not playing with a full deck. He's got a few screws left. But I'll tell you this, Boyd Pierce, if there was ever a man I wanted in a back alley street fighter brawl, it would be one killer Carl Cox. Because as a young rookie in professional wrestling, that man right there taught me what it was all about. Lumps, bumps, and bruises. And right now, having no mercy from Don Serrano, taking a fight right to the man. Has come back to the Mid South saying that there's a lot of things going on here and justice needs to be done. And he's showing everybody right now, talking to whoever he does when he looks up to this guy. There he goes for that padded brain buster hole. This is it. That's got to be it. I know it's all over, Boyd. I've seen
2: him take out many an opponent with that one, two, three. It's all over. All over. Killer Carl Cox who came to the ring with his 782 gear and his trenching tool and never let up as he carried the attack all the way to Don Serrano racking up a victory and we'll be back Big Iron Mike Sharp as he takes on Bob Orton Jr. after this work from Mid-South Wrestling Television Network
1: Well Killer Carl Cox a triumphant return and that was fun that was a really fun little match and the fans were really into it and it was it was perfect it was it was perfect for what it needed to be yeah, I mean,
0: he comes out from the start, and like you said, he, he's out there slapping hands with the front row, all the old people, the old guy. I, I wonder the same thing as you. I was like, does he know these people? I mean, he seems to have a connection with them. And, you know, that's the thing about wrestling. You got to be able to connect with the audience, and I'll be damned if Killer Carl Cox wasn't connecting with the audience right there as he came out. And then he gets in, and poor Don Serrano doesn't stand a damn chance. I mean, he pounded on him from the get-go. I think the match itself... From Bell to Bell was less than 90 seconds. He hits him with the brain busters you heard there on the commentary. And one, two, three, we're done. Killer Carl Cox gets a win. The fans were into it. Um, I, I, You know, I'm not going to compare him to JYD, but when you look at the fans and the reaction they have when he comes out, man, they're up and kind of dancing and having a good time. And the only person who I've seen be able to do that so far is JYD.
1: The only wrestler I know of to come to the ring to Here Comes the Judge, or at least the shorty long version of Here Comes the Judge, and yeah, I mean, you see it there. Are these like three white girls, teenagers, they seem, or at least early twenties, who get up and they're clapping and like dancing along, and it's like, wow, Carl Cox is like fifty years old here. <laughs> you know, he's coming out there, and these young kids are really into it. <laughs> this is kind of the end of Carl Cox. I mean, you know, he does, you know, eighty two. You know, he had done the stuff in Florida, and now it's mid south. This is really the end of his career, right here. But he, doesn't he stick around for a little while right here? For a little while. And then by the end of 82, you know, his career is over.
0: Okay. Okay. Yeah, I couldn't, re- I couldn't remember. I was trying to think back. But so, yeah, it's. uh I guess you could say the beginning of the end for him.
1: He wins with a brain buster. He's got his 782 gear. And uh, that's it. Carl Cox victory over Don Serrano. Our next match is Bob Orton Jr. versus Iron Mike Sharp. What are your thoughts on this, Mike? These guys,
0: it's slow. They pound on each other for much of the match, which I would think you know was what exactly Watts would want from these two guys. um But they, I mean, there's not a lot of high spots. There's a lot of punching and kicking and heavy drop kicks, and uh they're hitting each other, man. It's a it's a slugfest, I guess, is what I want to say.
1: It's all right. I don't know. I wasn't feeling it. I felt, you know, again, it's easy to judge when you're not in the ring. I felt Bob Orton Jr. was kind of going through the motions. And maybe he was, because he's another guy kind of finishing up at this time. That's kind of what I felt. Yeah. And Iron Mike Sharp is just starting to get over. He's there as a baby face. He is getting cheers. We're not going to play any audio, but you do hear that. He is getting cheers. I promise you, if Bill Watts is on commentary, we'd find something to play from this match. But there's nothing worth playing audio-wise from this match. Mike Sharp wins via a backbreaker. And uh, that's uh that's the only notes I have for this, Mike.
0: Yeah, that was, that was actually my exact note as we were getting ready to close it out was the finish. Um, no, no audio to play from it because there's just not much there. Um, I will say this. I can't remember if I've said this about Mike Sharp before. Uh, a lot of people in the WWF area who weren't exposed to Mike Sharp, they think of him as I guess the – I guess uh, I don't want to say goofy. That wouldn't be a good word. But you know what the – he had the wrist thing on. And An eccentric just
1: the- job guy, and I hate to call him that, but that's what people would consider him.
0: Okay, yeah, good. I I, I wasn't sure how to actually say it about him. Um, My memories of Mike are not that. It was, you know, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but um, I'm not going to say he's going to be North American champion or anything, but he plays a decent role in Mid-South and as somebody who has some success. So um, I have different memories of Mid-South than many people who grew up watching just WWF.
1: You know, he was used all right in 83 in the WWF. And he was used really well in Mid-South before that. He was used okay in Memphis after that. But from that point forward, he was never used well again. And I'm someone who's always believed there was more that could have been done with Mike Sharp because he was a guy that would get people into his match because of his noises and everything. So even if you're right. sitting there, before you know it, you're reacting to his match. And yep. I thought there was always something they could have done with him. I've always said in the past that I thought he was the kind of guy And, you know, it depends on how much he had left in the tank, you know, how much he wanted to do. But he was the kind of guy that I wish they would have done something with in the early days of ECW. And I'm not a big, you know, ECW guy like like everyone else, but I feel like he was in the area and there is something with him that people connected with. I wish there was like one last little cool run that he had.
0: I never thought of the ECW angle with him. I am I guess for the area, yeah, he could have probably done something Uh, because, you know, he... I don't want to call him a goon, but like the noises he would make is what I'm referring to. Rawr, you know, ah,
1: <laughs> I love that. No one does yeah. that. Why isn't there more wrestlers being trained? Why aren't there more wrestlers being trained that make pirate noises in the middle of their matches? It should be a requirement. Yeah,
0: and when I say goon, I'm not talking about like the goon, you know, Wild Bill Irwin is the goon. I'm talking about like Sharp was like – he was like a wrestling goon to me in a way before there were like cartoonish, I guess, goons.
1: That's what it is. Where, it's cartoonish. Yeah. It's like that. Yeah.
0: But he didn't look like a cartoon is my point. He, he, he had the build and he was a wrestler. He looked like a wrestler and not a cartoon character is, is where I'm going with that. But I, I liked Mike Sharp, especially in, in Mid-South.
1: Well, I knew we'd find something to talk about with this match, and there it is. But now, now we're going to move on here, Mike. And now there's a lot. This is where things really start happening in this episode, right here. And this really sets up everything next week and everything that comes after that. And we're going to yep. play some audio here. And I guess maybe we should just start by playing the audio. We'll talk about it on the other side. It is uh, a few things all at once. Boy, Pierce, and Ted DiBiase at the table. They're talking about the upcoming North American title match with DiBiase versus who knows. It will be followed by an interview with Bob Roop and Paul Orndorff and then back to Ted and Boyd. Let's listen to this, and then Mike on the other side will uh, discuss what we just heard.
2: Next week here on Mid-South Wrestling, the North American Heavyweight Championship will be on the line as Ted DiBiase, our guest commentator this week, will defend his coveted title and belt against the challenge of either Paul Orndorff or Bob Roop. We Bowden talked to him earlier, and this is what they had to say.
4: There's absolutely no doubt that Paul Orndorff and Bob Roop are the two top contenders for the North American heavyweight title, but they have a dilemma, and I'm going to let them explain what it is. Well, the reason why we're up here, Bob and myself, one week from today, Bob or myself, we don't know yet, they haven't told us, we'll be wrestling Ted DiBiase right here on national TV. For the North American belt. That's
2: right. you got the two top contenders, and they won't say which one is the top one. If it's only one week away, it takes time to scout for the North American title on TV, and we've only got one week without knowing who it is. Also, whichever one is selected, the other one's barred. I mean, the millions and millions, the multi-millions of people who watch this program are going to get to see the match. All the people out here in the audience are going to see it, but if, if he wrestles, I'm barred. That means that's presidential. That is unfair. It's biased.
4: It's as simple as that. You know what they're doing. It's a conspiracy against myself and Bob Roof. Now, Mid-South is protecting people like Ted DiBiase, dog and people like that. It's very obvious. And now this right here, it proves that Mid-South is protecting them. It's as simple as you know, plain as that. You know,
2: the silliest thing I heard, I heard Bill Watts out here saying... Oh, I think Paul Arndorf and Bob Roop ought to wrestle each other and let the winner wrestle Ted DiBiase. This man's been watching my back for six months to keep Ted DiBiase from stabbing me, me
4: and I want to wrestle him? You know something? Watch ought to sit down in that chair and keep his big, fat mouth shut because this ain't got nothing to do with him. This is between myself, Bob, and Ted DiBiase. Plain as simple as that. Well, of course, time will tell, and you'll find out which one of these men will wrestle Ted DiBiase for the North American heavyweight title. show. It's me. Well, I hope it's me, too, Bob. I'm serious. I, you're my best friend, and we've watched each other for a long time. But one of us will have that North American belt. I hope and it's we'll me. And we'll see next week.
2: JTB, I see you heard what Bob Roop and Paul Orndorff had to say about the title match next week. What
4: about
3: it? Well, Boyd, regardless of whatever stipulation might be laid down, uh, when it comes to Paul Orndorff and Bob uh, Roop, is always going to have something to complain about. It seems obvious to me that their biggest complaint is that regardless of which one wrestles me, the other man is going to be barred from the arena. Now, I asked for no stipulation. Uh, Matchmaker Grizzly Smith did this on his own. I'm glad that he did because my only argument is this. I want the opportunity to wrestle and take care of business with each man as an individual and not have to worry about somebody running in from behind. And up until right now, that's been my constant concern, where you find one, you find the other. And the way this is laid down, regardless of which one it is next week, there's only going to be one man for me to worry about, and I'm happy about that and looking forward to it, whichever man, Grizzly Smith, decides to put in the ring with me.
2: Thank you, Ted. Now the next match is in the ring. Let's go for the introduction.
1: So a lot going on there. And we've witnessed for pretty much the entire time we've done the show now, Mike, the Paul Orndorff, Ted DiBiase, Bob Orton thing, which has really just been Orndorff versus DiBiase with Roop teaching Paul Orndorff how to reverse the figure four. They went back and forth with the title. We remember that. And now next week there's a title match, and it's either Roop or Orndorff, and these guys are finally showing some dissension in the ranks.
0: You know what's challenging? I agree with everything you just said. You know what's challenging about this show sometimes is the fact that we know what happens next. So it kind of... Uh, it skews our thoughts on when we we're assessing what we just saw. They're showing a little bit of dissension, but if you if you can somehow, some way, try to not remember what's coming, you would still look at this and go, "Okay, so I got to see what happens next week, and which one of these guys is going to face DiBiase? What's going to happen?" We we. We we need to try to remember that as we watch along and do these because it's easy to say there's dissension right here. But it was if you really can put that what happens next week to the side, if you look at that and go, eh, that was a little, but it wasn't a ton.
1: That's what it is. Yeah, yeah. that's exactly it's, right. You know, next week and, you know, I don't want to play spoiler either, so I'm not going to. But when you see what happens next week, you realize the beauty of this this week. Yeah. Yeah, it, and exactly. It, it was subtle. It wasn't too much. They didn't hammer everything in. But if you pay attention, and wrestling fans pay attention to wrestling shows, at least when they're not three hours and full of shit, if you pay <laughs> attention. You realize, oh wow, Some, down the road, those two may have a problem down the road.
0: Yeah, it was it was subtle. So like, if you watched this originally back in '82, you you might not have even caught it. But then you realize it when you saw next week what happened this week with the subtleness of it. So that that was my main comment that I had for it.
1: The next match on the show, Mike, is Paul Orndorff versus Tony Torres. Orndorff wins with a power slam. Jack Howe is the referee. Uh, the only note I have is that Paul Orndorff is getting hairier each week.
0: <laughs> He's uh, getting hairier. We've talked about that actually a couple weeks ago. And uh, Orndorff was more interested right here in punishing torres than anything i mean he had torres out a few times where he pulled him up from a three count and then he finally decides to to win it with his power slam but nothing much here i mean i don't i didn't even have a note from the commentary did you have anything
1: no i have nothing i mean really it's just a basic match it's a squash match pretty much
0: yeah squash match it's my talent that's it
1: well now finally and uh this happened pretty quick here in the show but we get to the main event of this hour of mid-south wrestling it is mr olympia the mississippi State Champion. Versus Bob Roop, it is a non-title match.
0: All right, yeah, we got Bob Roop versus Mr. Olympia, who is the current Mississippi Heavyweight Champion. And I got to say, I, I this one I was really looking forward to because this is really, I guess, the first match in this episode that we've got something here that we can go, okay, we got Bob Roop, contender for the North American Heavyweight title. We got Mr. Olympia, who is the current Mississippi Heavyweight Champion, which, you know, back then... Mississippi and Louisiana champions held a little weight. So, yeah, I was really looking forward to this one. Brian, what did you have from it?
1: Not too much. I mean, you know, it's a nice match. Like you said, you said it's the uh, first match we've seen on the show that was of this caliber. It's the only match that we will see on this show of this caliber. It's the last match we see on this show. It's a good match, back and forth. And Alfred Neely is the referee. And we're going to play some audio here. This is from during the match. Paul Orndorff comes out. Obviously, Bob Roop is his longtime friend, his best friend, as he said earlier. So Paul Orndorff comes out. You'll hear the fans' reaction, and then you'll hear their reaction when someone comes out to chase him away. And I'm going to pause that for one second, Mike, because I just heard a fan say, ride him, cowboy, as Mr. <laughs> Olympia's Bob Roop in a one-legged crab. And I just wanted to stop the tape and play that because I never noticed it before. <laughs> I heard it too. That
0: was awesome because he's got him in that He's got him in that one-legged crab. He says, ride him, cowboy.
1: <laughs> All right, let's go back to the cowboy. Hold on.
3: Now applying the pressure to Bob Roop's back. Ready, trying to find out of it. What's this, boy?
2: That's what I said. Did. Just, All just, just like
3: I lane. said, just like I said, Boyd. Where you find one, you find the other. Now, Paul Orndorff has no business being at ringside right now. He's just being a menace, and you can, you can tell by the look on Mr. Olympia's face. He's looking from one to the other, not knowing what to expect. Now, the people are, the are yelling, are still, but crowd. I don't know what they're Will hollering about just yet. Mean? Out, and of our, about out of our, our here eyesight come, Here comes,
2: here comes Killer Carl Cox. Killer Cox with his trenching tool and 782 gear, the former Marine. Uh, there he goes, getting instructions well, to Paul Orndorff. He's he's backing him I'll out. Tell you what? That's probably the
3: smartest retreat that Paul Orndorff has made since he's been in the Mid South area. Killer Carl Cox, unpredictable as he is, has come back into the Mid-South saying that there's some cleaning up that need to be done. Coming to the ring to the music of Here Comes the Judge. And it looks like he's taking it upon himself to be the judge and jury and possibly the executioner if necessary. Back to Paul Oran all the way back to the dressing room and coming back to the ring to see that law and order prevails. Still has
2: that trench two ladies' had.
1: So, Orndorff at ringside, killer Carl Cox comes and chases him away, and DiBiase somewhat awkwardly explains what's going on here.
0: Let me tell you what you don't hear in DiBiase's explanation and what you can't obviously see because you're just listening to this. The great part about that is when Orndorff comes out is Olympia, uh, not at first, but then eventually realizes it when he sees Orndorff, and the crowd is reacting to it because they can see Orndorff walking down. Olympia unlike what they would write in today's wrestling realizes he's in trouble. So he is constantly moving and circling and looking back and forth between the two heels because he sees Paul Ondorf outside and he, he's got Roop in the ring that he's got to worry about. So he's he's constantly circling and looking both ways, I guess is the best way to say it, so that he doesn't get caught in a bind. Nowadays the fucking baby face would be made to look like a goddamn fool and turn his back on one or the other completely. And then before you know it, it's some stupid finish. That's not what happened here. <laughs> buys the time. Now, he doesn't know Carl Cox is coming up. My point is he never stops. He's constantly trying to figure out how the hell am I going to get out of this predicament with these two wild dogs that are circling me. And eventually Carl Cox comes out and he bought the time he needed. And Carl Cox runs off Orndorff as he's got the entrenching tool and uh, sends Orndorff to the back and Carl Cox stays out there. But I, I just thought that was perfect. What did you think?
1: I agree with you. And you know, it's interesting watching this and you see Carl Cox, who's an older guy at this point, not muscular or anything, but it's totally believable that Orndorff would be scared of him. It's totally believable that he would go in there and kick some ass, and I'm thinking about that now. Imagine one of these big jacked up guys on Raw. I'm trying to think, what wrestler? Who is there any rest, Are there any human beings that look like Carl Cox at this point? But what wrestler who is you know 55 years old and looks it? He looks like he's 60 something years old. Comes out there and could legitimately scare a modern WWE wrestler, and the fans would believe it. You know, if Fritz Von Erich came out there, fans would believe he really would kick some ass, even though he was old and smoking cigarettes all day. People believed it. But there aren't too many examples of that anymore.
0: Um, I can't think of any besides, like, I mean, Undertaker. But that's a different. I mean, it's totally different the the character he is. But like to have an a old guy like Killer Callcox, <laughs> former military member, comes out there with that goddamn trench and shovel. He's ready, like he's gonna take Orndorff's head off, man. I mean, I don't, I don't know. I can't really think of it nowadays. But you and see, they, hold
1: on, let me put you. Let me put the menace to society here. Uh, let me ask you a question. <laughs> You're yeah. in the middle of the ring. The lights go out. Uh-huh. The lights come back on. You have the Undertaker on one side of the ring and Killer Carl Cox on the other. Who are you more scared of?
0: I'm going to break. I'm gonna piss off a lot of people, but I'm probably more scared of Killer Carl. He's got a yeah. freaking <laughs> shovel. <laughs> he's got a damn steel shovel he can clock me with, man. I'm scared of him. I'm scared of Murdoch.
1: Oh, God. Yeah. The other Let's... thing is the Undertaker's slow. He may walk slowly towards me. Killer Carl Cox, I don't know what the fuck he's going to do. I don't know who he's going to hit. I don't know what he's going to do. Yeah, yeah. I no, I I'm 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 in agreement with you. We need more crazy old <laughs> characters. I let me take that back. We need more crazy old wrestlers that we can believe in. Not characters cuz you can you can have there, crazy plethora- guys running around.
0: There's a plethora of old wrestlers running around these days that you that can are...
1: believe in. That you can believe in. <laughs> no, yeah, exactly. That's what I'm saying.
0: I just don't believe in them. I don't I I I've I'm I'm so tired of seeing Shawn Michaels and, uh, and Triple H and Jesus Lord. Um, yeah, so I I agree. There's there's no Carl Coxes and there's no Dick Murdoch's in the world anymore.
1: Let's go to the finish of this match, Mike. So once again, Mr. Olympia and Bob Root.
2: Minute to go, Ted DiBiase, in Anything this grueling battle as a battle for supremacy. Big drop kick. Mr. Olympia got the advantage
3: right now. Going for that pin again. One, two count. Two count. Almost. Bob he Rube liked just one barely second. hanging on. Gaining a victory, He's it Just takes. barely hang on. Big forearm to the chest. Roop's down. One count, two count. He's out again. He's fighting to hang on now, Boyd. 30 Especially seconds to go, Ted DiBiase.
2: 30 seconds. Next week, back. the North American Heavyweight belt on the line. Ted DiBiase defending. It. It could be it again. Against either Bob Roop or Paul Arndorf. And the other man that doesn't get the title match will be bored, so it'll be one-on-one for the North American belt next week. Our time is all gone. We will not have a winner, and I know they're disappointed between Mr. Olympia and Bob Roop. Till then, for our guest commentator Ted DiBiase, I'm Boyd Pierce Sam. Thanks for watching, and goodbye everybody from Mid-South Wrestling
1: Television Oh, Net- well, there we go. Uh, it literally, just went right off the air <laughs> as the match was ending. And we have another episode of Mid-South Wrestling. No finish. Something we will get accustomed to certainly during the UWF years. No finish, the show goes off the air, and next week, the big North American title match.
0: Yeah, the UWF years are something else with the chaos at the end. This, you know how we always get these, we'll see it next week, these no finishes between, I'll call it two enhancement talents. This, I actually like the fact that we went to a time limit draw, TV time, not time limit draw, TV time expires, there's a difference. Because you got Roop, who's a contender for the uh, North American title, and you got Olympia, current, Mississippi heavyweight champion I like the fact that these two went to a no finish because I mean if you think about it they started uh, they started it with about only seven minutes left in tv time remaining so um you know so you got you got a contender here and a champion here I, I'm I was more than fine with the way this thing went because it started to kind of get heated up at the end but they just ran out of tv time so it expired um but yeah no finish and then we got a lot to look forward to uh coming next week
1: Next week is a big change in Mid-South wrestling. We won't get Bill Watts back, but we will get someone else, and it will be a suitable replacement. And like I said, things are going to really be in motion starting next week that are going to propel Mid-South throughout 1982.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I don't. I, without actually saying who it is and what's happening next week, I just will uh, leave it at what you just said.
1: As we wrap things up, Mike, I want to remind everyone you can hear me on the 605 Super Podcast at 605pod.com or available wherever it is that you find your favorite podcasts. Classic Wrestling Talk and Wrestling Humor, the 605 Super Podcast. I also want to encourage you to support the Arcadian Vanguard Podcast Network and all of its shows. You can get more information on Twitter at Super Podcasts or look for Arcadian Vanguard on Facebook. You can follow me on Twitter, at Great Brian Last, and of course you can follow the 605 Super Podcast on Twitter, at 605pod. Mike, how can the listeners stay in touch with you and follow Booking the Territory?
0: Hey, please come check us out and give us a listen to Booking the Territory. We do two shows per week. The main show is what we call the NWA Saturday Night Show on TBS. But we also discuss a lot of other topics on that show every single Thursday night. a drop at 7 p.m. Central Time. And then also check out the Smoky Mountain Wrestling Podcast every Sunday night at 7 p.m. Central Time. Uh, two shows a week. We have a lot of fun. It's unprofessional. We, we call ourselves the Unprofessional Wrestling Podcast for a reason. Uh, the language is pretty strong and pretty much anything goes. You can follow me on Twitter at Mike504Saints and come join our unprofessional podcast Facebook group at tinyurl.com slash bttfbgroup. You can find the show at tinyurl.com slash bttpod. Come along. It's a fun ride. To date, we have been doing shows now for three and a half years, So, and we started doing the Saturday night shows about two years ago now, and Smoky Mountain, we. are hmm, almost two and a half years into the Smoky Mountain run so it's there is a a long catalog if you want to dive in and get caught up and have some fun with us.
1: Of course you could hear us with more Mid-South Wrestling Television Review next week but as we close out the show I'm the great Brian Last. Mike handed things off very quickly at the beginning I'm going to let him sign off and do the same thing to him right now. Uh book it. (laughs)